0: And answers. Nothing turns people away from the church like self-righteous Christians who are condescending towards unbelievers. Christ's church and his people are called to identify and confront sin. However, in doing so, we must not become self-righteous in condemning of others. How do we keep a balance between standing against sin but loving the sinner? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. The last time we were together, Pat delivered part one of a message entitled, The Savior, the Self-Righteous, and the Sinner. In our broadcast today, he will conclude it.
1: Now, here's Pat. This woman expressed it beautifully in giving of her most valued treasure to Christ at that moment. You know, in marriage, good marriages are built on love, not minimum that's expressed, you know, minimally. No, you want love to be expressed extravagantly in marriage, right? You don't want to just do the minimum for your wife or husband. Man, you want a love that overflows, that goes above and beyond. That's kind of makes great marriage. You know, and I remember, my wife, on her birthday, wanted a wallet. I've got a wallet here, good wallet here, $10. $10 at the, one of this, Walmart here, I think, $10. Or maybe I got it on Amazon, can't remember, 10 bucks. So she said she wanted a wallet, I said, great. I said, I will spare no expense to get her a great wallet. You know, 10 bucks, so, I'll, I mean, I'm going to splurge 50 bucks maybe. Maybe 75 bucks, OK, but we're going to get her the best. All right? So we went over there to the shopping mall over here and, and went to one of the stores. Gucci, I think was our first one that we went in, and I went in and I said, "Hey, we're looking for a wallet for her." And they said, "Well, we've got some here." And I went and, you know, my price range, 7500, bucks, maybe 150. and look, and I said, "How much for that one? Thousand dollars. Thousand dollars! What is this? You know, and we just a wallet, thousand dollars. And so, you know, I was absolutely stunned. And she was looking at it, and I'm going, "Please, Lord, please, don't let her find one that she likes in here." And so, praise God, she didn't find one that she likes. So I said, oh, "Praise the Lord." We walked out and went to the next store, which was one of those fine French stores. I don't know, Ferragamo or. Prada, whatever it was, you know, went to the next one and got in there and I said, oh, oh, great, man, that was way overpriced. Let's check this one out here. Wallet, yeah. 750 bucks, 8,000 bucks, what, what, it's just a wallet, man. You know, and, and I was just absolutely stunned. I went to the next one, Prada, whatever it was, same thing, you know, and I'm going, what, what is this? You know, and I felt like telling her, forget it. Forget a wallet. Let's go to Walmart. Get something reasonable around here. You know, what what is this? Mine's 10 bucks. Come on. And so I was outside pacing around. Good night. You know, I can get a set of golf clubs. You know, I can get a brand new Mac computer. uh Anyway, then I think the Holy Spirit convicted me and I was sitting there going, hey, she doesn't Ask for much. She's not a big shopper. She doesn't buy a lot of extravagant things, but on this one occasion, it is her birthday, and she hasn't bought a wallet in 15 years, and she'd like a a nice one for once. Do you love her minimally? You want to express your love for her extravagantly, above and beyond? And I thought about it for a while, and I said, you know, she deserves it. She certainly works hard as a doctor. She does a lot it's within our budget, we're not going to go broke, and I can put up with a three, four-year-old laptop for another couple of years, okay, I don't need the latest and greatest right now, the one I got is working more than fine, and so I sucked it in, I said, you know, this is a chance to express love extravagantly, how it should be, to someone that you've committed your life to and say you love with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so sucked in and I said, all right, let's do it. You know, so we went to a store and she found one that she liked. And instead of complaining or grumbling or whatever, fortunately, it was half price. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. But I think it it was a discount, I think. Guy gave us a discount. I think he saw me and, you know, my stunned. Anyway, but we got it for a really nice one. She was really happy, and it brought a lot of joy to my heart to know that she understood well, how much you know, I want to express my love above and beyond in extravagant ways. And that should be our attitude towards Christ, not to give him the minimum, but the very best. And reflect on your life today. What is it that you give God? Do you love him extravagantly? overflowing with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as the Bible says, or is it just the minimum? I uh, go to church on Sunday, do a 10-minute devotion. That's it. Or do we love Him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength in extravagant ways? Do I love God with all my heart and express it extravagantly as the sinful woman did, or do I just give Him the minimum? You know, a good question to ask is if someone was spying on you for the whole week, and you didn't know they were watching you, would they know that you are a committed disciple of Jesus Christ? You now think about that. So that woman loved Christ extravagantly. Now, in verse 39 to 47, we see the reaction of the Pharisees there. It says, Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known... Who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors, one owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And so you see the reaction of the Pharisees here. They thought, well, Jesus can't be a prophet. You know, back then they were very meticulous and legalistic about cleanliness. And these Pharisees would never allow a woman like her to get close or even more to touch them. That would make them unclean. So the Pharisees were shocked that Jesus would allow this woman to defile him by touching him. So Jesus, knowing their thoughts, you know they're probably kind of giving each other the look. Maybe the Pharisee next to Simon kind of leans over to Simon and says, "Hey, check that out there. He's not a prophet." And Jesus knows exactly what they're thinking. Not only does he knows all about this woman. He knows all about what they're thinking. So he is indeed a prophet, in fact, something even more. And Jesus ends up telling a story. In that story, one man own owes five hundred denarii, the other fifty. And back in those days, if you owe that kind of money, you might spend some time before the court and perhaps maybe some time in jail but they are forgiven of that debt. And Jesus asked them, well, which one would love more? And they said, well, the one that had the greater debt. And Jesus' point was this, that a person who is forgiven much loves much more than the one who is forgiven little or see or perceives that he is not guilty of much. And Jesus' point was this, anyone who humbles themselves, acknowledges their sinfulness and need for God's forgiveness, God will receive and God will accept. And that person who understands their sin and God's holiness and their need for forgiveness will love the one who has forgiven them. So the woman saw herself as a sinner one in need of God's forgiveness. While in contrast, Simon the Pharisee saw himself as righteous. Therefore, he did not need to treat the Savior in any special manner. And and in fact, he did not even extend to Jesus the normal courtesies of the day, greeting with a kiss on the cheek and anointing with oil and washing with feet. While in contrast, the woman not only washed Jesus' feet, she did so with her tears and her hair, and she did not kiss Jesus on the cheek. She kept kissing his dirty feet. Simon didn't anoint Jesus' head with oil, but she anointed Jesus' feet with expensive oil. And the whole point is this. People who acknowledge their sin and repent are welcomed by Jesus, but the self-righteous, they do not welcome Jesus into their lives and we need to understand and accept that we are all sinners like that sinful woman we have no right to stand before a holy God our rightful destiny is judgment but God gave everything he had so that we could be forgiven we need to understand we are sinners We are that woman, and we need to understand what it cost God to make forgiveness possible. When we do, we would respond as this woman did, with gratitude, with awe, with extravagant love, and loving worship. You know, I'm not sure that any illustration that I could ever give can explain all that it costs God to pay for our sin and make forgiveness possible. But... Maybe this one can help us understand what it costs God and why we should be so thankful and extravagant in our love for Him. You know, not long ago, uh, Elizabeth was diagnosed with a fatal heart condition that required a heart transplant. She needed a new heart. But One thing she knew, in order for her to live then, someone else had to die. And after weeks of prayer, she received the news that someone was donating to her a new heart. And She found out it came from a young man only in his twenties who died suddenly. And it was the greatest gift she ever received. And on one day, she got to meet the family of that young man who gave her his heart. I'm meeting my donor family today. I received my heart on April 30th, 2017. I know his name is Rob, and uh, he was 30 years old.
0: And um, I would just like to hear about his life. Just look at what we're doing today. I'm going to meet the recipient of my son's heart. He died on the job, and you know, no one saw it coming.
1: He was just such a sweetheart, a real sweetheart. Very empathic, very kind, very loving. I'm
0: just very, very happy that I'm going to get to meet Elizabeth because um, in the end I am sure if Rob was behind me, he'd tell me, go ahead and do this, because that's the kind of guy he was.
1: I was just thinking about what I wanted to say to them, so Uh, how thankful I am that they chose to donate life.
0: <laughs> Hi. Elizabeth. Yes. I'm Bob. Hi, Bob. How are you? So nice to meet you. I'm, I'm here because of your son. I'm so happy. Uh, so happy. Uh, so happy to meet
1: my wife, Hi, I felt so like sweet. I was going to lose it. When I saw her, but it was very strange that when she walked in, I just felt a calm. I
0: want to thank you for the decision on that day. I wouldn't be here with Rob. Absolutely. So, I'm so. absolutely it's absolutely fantastic. It's one of the greatest gifts I've ever received. She's thanking me. And I feel like I should thank her.
1: For keeping to Rob see. alive. Yeah.
0: For keeping Rob alive.
1: Do you want to listen to his heart beat? Yes you
0: yes. do. Yes. There you go. There you go. I'm <sighs> glad yes. yeah. I, I didn't break up too much, but it was exactly like holding him. It was. That's how it was. I miss it feeling.
1: I've been praying for you and for him. I've been able to live a full life. I've been able to
0: live a life I couldn't have lived without it. That's just a beautiful thing. It is. It's tremendous.
1: That's a very powerful moment, isn't it? And you know, when Elizabeth, the recipient, you know, when she met her donor family, the words that she said, I am here because of your son. We have eternal life and, and life in its fullness now because of his son. You know, then she said, I'm able to live a full life now because of him. It costs a father and a mother their son so Elizabeth could have life. Well, it cost God his son so we could be forgiven of our sin and live a full life. When we understand all that it costs God for us to be forgiven, we cannot help but respond as the sinful woman did to Jesus with extravagant love, loving him above and beyond with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, as Christians, we are called to confront sin, but not Be self-righteous and condescending to others. It's a delicate balance that we must always have. Not only must we confront sin in our culture and in others, but we must also regularly confront sin in our own lives. And that's a great exercise to do regularly, to reflect upon our lives and say, Lord, search me, see if there's any sin in me, point it out confront it, repent of it, receive his forgiveness. That exercise of self-examining, confessing sin, owning it, repenting and turning from it, that's what transforms us as believers in Christ. That's the transformation process. Not to be the same, you know, say, hey, I'm saved. All right, that's it. I'm done. Live life as usual. But to sit back and reflect and say, Lord, Is there sin in my life that I need to own up to, to confess it, to turn from it, seek his forgiveness? You know, that keeps us humble, and that keeps us from having an arrogant and self-righteous pharisaic kind of attitude. Well, Jesus looks at the woman and says to her, and he said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? even forgive sins. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The basis of her forgiveness that Jesus makes clear is not good works, was not because she anointed him with oil. That didn't save her. What saved her was her faith, her belief in Jesus Christ. The basis of forgiveness of our sins and eternal life is not good works. Forgiveness is a gift that comes from God given to those who have faith in Jesus Christ, who have trusted Jesus Christ as the divine Son of God. This woman accepted the fact of her sinfulness. This is what led to her salvation, all right? She accepted the fact of her sinfulness and undeserving standing before God. Then she believed Jesus is the Messiah and had the authority to forgive sins. She had probably heard Jesus teaching at the synagogue moments before or even as he was preaching throughout Galilee she probably heard him preaching previously and came to believe that he was the Messiah the Son of God the one with the authority to forgive sins she was convicted of her sin she repented and came to Christ with a repentant, humble attitude, seeking God's forgiveness that she knew the Messiah, Jesus Christ, could bring. And that's what brought her salvation. Her anointing of Jesus was not in order to be saved, but it's because she already believed. And it was a product of her belief and faith in Jesus Christ. So salvation is for those who accept the fact That we are sinners and we need God's forgiveness and that it can come through God's Son Jesus Christ because God's grace is greater than all our sin so salvation is for sinners for all those who are willing to confess we are sinners and own it and then trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior To turn from their sin and receive the forgiveness that comes from Christ's death on the cross that made forgiveness possible. So if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you may be thinking, hey, Pat, you don't know what I've done. Well, God's grace is greater than all your sin. The power of the cross is greater than any sin that you may have committed here. So if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to confess your sin to Him and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, that He died to pay the penalty for your sin, and He rose from the dead conquering sin and death. And you will, if you will trust Him as your Lord and Savior and receive His forgiveness, the gift of eternal life and everlasting life, can be yours now and you can experience a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and experience the fullness of life all that it was ever meant to be now and forevermore for you who have received Christ for you believers I want to challenge you with a couple questions our church is our church more like Simon the Pharisee's house or is it more like the Savior's heart You know, there's a danger that a church not lose its focus and mission to seek and save the lost. There is a danger of becoming a sanctuary for the self-righteous instead of a sanctuary that brings sinners to the Savior. If you've been a Christian for a while, I want to challenge you with a question. Am I like Simon the Pharisee or am I like the Savior? You know, there is a danger for those of us who've been in Christ for many years that we become prideful and self-righteous. So we must always be aware that Pharisaic pride not overtake us. You know, it can sneak up on us like a mist. And once we are engulfed in it, it, it can cloud our perspective and we lose our focus on what God has called us to do, reaching the lost people for Christ. So I leave you with those challenges. You know, our message today has got to be a well-balanced message that identifies sin. You know, Christ confronted sin, all right? He just didn't dismiss it. He identified it and confronted it. He called this woman a sinful. He said her her sins are many. So we've got to have a well-balanced message that identifies and confronts sin and calls people to repentance but welcomes all who seek forgiveness found in Christ. We've got to have a balanced message there. We've got to understand our sin brought us death, and that's what put Christ on the cross. However, sin and death were overcome through God's love, and the proof of that is in the resurrection of Christ. So God bless you as you reflect on his death for our sin and celebrate his resurrection, the victory that brought us everlasting life thank you for letting me be here with you i look forward to being with you live so until then aloha from hawaii
0: our time today has come to a close thank you for joining us here on evidence and answers radio broadcast we hope you enjoyed today's show We have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your church or location, give him a call in Hawaii, that number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence & Answers website, that's evidenceandanswers.org. Use our search engine for available resources everything from atheism to zen buddhism including articles and additional audio free to listen to or download so be sure to share our website with those around you to keep quality broadcasts like pats on the air we rely on generous financial support from you our listeners for the opportunity to partner with us head on over to our website that's evidenceandanswers.org and you may do so right there online evidence and answers would like to thank one of our sponsors the honolulu christian church